0: This is Behind the Headlines. I'm Joe Shaw, the Executive Editor of the Express News Group, which publishes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and 27East.com. With me today is my co-host, Bill Sutton. He's our Managing Editor at the Express News Group. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Joe. And another terrific panel this week, we have Joe Werkmeister, who's an Editor at the Times Review Media Group uh, up in Riverhead and on the North Fork. Hey, Joe.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Uh, We also have Jamie uh, Buffalino, who is a staff writer at the East Hampton Star. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you very much. And uh, our good friend, Brian Cosgrove, who's a longtime personality on local radio and uh, is also the host of Paper Talk on WLIWFM as part of his show. So we're turning it around on you this week, Brian. We're going to talk to you about the the news.
2: (laughs) Well, it's great to be here.
0: Good to see are you. Are you ready for it? I think so. Yeah. All right, good. So the the topic that I think tops the conversation in the newspapers and really just around every kitchen table right now is the ongoing battle with COVID-19 and the vaccines. And Jamie, it's been a topic of conversation for all of our newspapers over the last couple of weeks in particular, as folks are really scrambling to try and find vaccine the east end and we talked about this a bit last week there isn't a whole lot of progress is there it's still been very difficult to find a vaccine anywhere on the east end yeah i mean the frustration
3: is definitely rising we uh i talked to the mayor of East Hampton village this week and he said every day he gets calls from residents wondering where it is i think and this week i think was when the dam finally broke with local officials uh Because I think the government, both on the federal level and state level, I don't think we're prepared for something of this size. And uh, locally, there really hasn't been much outreach from the state uh, uh, to try and coordinate. And Assemblyman Fred Thiel wrote, one of the most scathing letters I've ever uh, seen from him, Uh, criticizing the distribution process and making other recommendations. And also, you know, uh, town supervisor Peter Van Skoyak also really said there's been no rhyme or reason for the way it is. And I think they're really responding to residents who are annoyed. And there really feels to be a lack of access on the east end, even beyond, uh, even within the state compared
0: to other places in the state. I think that's true. Bill we we hosted an express sessions event just recently that had uh, assemblyman Thiel and county executive Steve Balone and Peter Van Skoyak along with some some health experts. They didn't pull any punches. They uh, Fred uh, continued. I mean, he's he's not pulling any punches. Jamie's right. His letter was scathing and he talked about the the rollout of the Titanic was better than the rollout of the <laughs> yeah. vaccines in New mm-hmm. York State. Um, there was a little movement this week, right? We had a we had a a vaccination clinic at uh, Hampton Bays at Saint Rosalie's Church that at least handed out a couple of hundred uh, vaccines, I believe, right through the state website.
4: Yeah, I think it was it was three hundred vaccines, and you also saw uh, Joe wrote about uh, Barth's Pharmacy and. Um, his several locations, West Hampton Beach, I think, uh, Kutchog, whatever. Um, that they they handed out about a thousand vaccines, and and I think, you know, to 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 finally get to a a, a point where, um, you know, pharmacies and and local, you know, local pop ups like St. Rosalie's are are handing out the vaccinations is what we need to do, but it's just not going to happen quick and you know, I know Lucacera at, at Barst Pharmacy, he's, he's a great guy and good for him for getting a thousand vaccines, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket and 300 vaccines at, St. Rosalie's is a, is a drop in the bucket. And you, you have to wonder if some of that was just a response to, um, you know, to Fred Deal's you know, letter or Peter Vanskoyak's, you know, movement or whatever, he, you know, it's kind of like, I, I don't want to be critical, but you know, here, here, here's a, here's a little bit to show that, you know, that we're looking at the East end, but more has to come. I, I mean, I, I look in statewide, I think we've 8% of the population has gotten the first vaccine, 2% has gotten the second vaccine. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's slow moving. And, you know, we, we talked about it last week and people need to be patient. I guess you're talking about millions and millions of vaccines that have to come forward. Um, but, but the frustration is, is, is just really, really going to be there.
0: Joe, can you talk a little bit about Barthes, as as Bill said, you wrote about uh, what they were able to do this past week and, you know, in in a climate where there's nothing, uh, even even the amount they were able to do was really welcome, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to get over, um, you know, 1,100, about 1,100 doses administered, uh, they did it over three days, kind of set up a mass site at the West Hampton Beach Fire Department and uh, were able to just kind of get, you know, a, a, a setup there um you know they, um, the um pharmacists were up on the second floor and kind of had all the vaccine up there and then kind of administered everything to the first floor as uh as people were coming in and uh you know it's interesting how they kind of got to that point because you know even you know you know we're, you know we struggle just as you know as the residents trying or you know people trying to figure out how to get the vaccine but even you know for the pharmacists that are trying to get doses, you know, it's not exactly an easy process for them to just go and, and, and get the vaccine to distribute to us. So you know yeah, that's just
4: be, that's just because of a, a lack of vaccine numbers, right? I mean it's it's not much more than than that. It's a simple answer. There's no vaccine to to get.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, the states, you know, calling up, you know, Lou at, at Barts and saying, Hey, you know, we have uh you know vaccines for you. Here we go. You know, he had to you know, initiate the the process and, and do all the legwork to try to, you know, get in position to be able to get some of the, uh, of the vaccine. And, you know, he was describing how he was making phone calls and got on the phone with, with this, with one person who just happened to be the right person and said, you know, you're in luck. You're the, per- I'm the person you need to talk to and was on the phone with them for like an hour sorting through everything, getting these pin numbers that they need for each of their locations and, and, you know, doing everything that they need. And finally was able to, you know, get, get these, uh, doses. And and then, you know, now he's got multiple locations, so he's got to figure out, okay, well, how do I, you know, how do I distribute these vaccines now that now that I'm going to get some doses? So he figured rather than having people trying to come to all these, you know, individual, you know, pharmacies, which are generally smaller locations kind of set up in these, you know, uh, rural areas on, Main roads, it may not be great for long lines or traffic, you know, building up. So he said, "All right, let me find one place that I could do it. I could do it quicker, you know, if it's everything's in one spot." And kind of just went searching and tried to find, you know, got rejected by a few places that he went to first, and you know, ultimately found the West Hampton Beach Fire Department. Which you guys know is a, you know a big facility there. Um, you know, they're used to whole, you know being able to do do kind of a big big events from time to time. So found a perfect fit there. And was able to do everything over, over three days. I think the second day they got about 500 or so done, and so you know, decent, decent number there. And then now, obviously, everyone's going to have to come back for, um, for a second dose. Is he and confident
4: he, that he's going to be able to get those those second doses?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then you know, he, he, I think he said he hopes to be able to just do that all in one day. You know, yeah. w- once he kind of has. Um, a little bit of a heads up and knows and, and can kind of get in touch with everyone to, you know, get it all done in one day. But, you know, even when I asked, you know, OK, you know, you know, are you thinking about what's next in terms of, you know, getting more vaccine? He's like, you know, I'm just trying to regroup from this one first, you know, and, and now he's got to figure out how the billing works to get reimbursed from the state. And, you know, that's kind of confusing on their end for the pharmacists. And so, you know, he's like, you know, I just got to try to figure this part out first before, you know, I can even get to doing, you know, even more vaccines. So, yeah, it's, it's the, a complicated process. One of the things I'm intrigued about is it's pretty
0: clear that the pharmacies are going to play a big role uh, going forward. Governor Cuomo talked this week about trying to step up the number of vaccines that are given, going to be distributed through pharmacies. But from what I've heard. Uh, just in, in uh, statewide reports, the focus has really been on chains like CVS and Walgreens, which is a terrific and, and a very uh, efficient way to distribute the vaccine in cities not so much on the East End. We, we don't have many CVSs and I don't know that we have any Walgreens. Is there any, I don't know that there's any Walgreens locally, but you you have to end up relying on places like pharmacies like mm-hmm. Barth's. And uh, I spoke with uh, a pharmacist at Stop and Shop in Hampton Bays who said they have far, they've they've had vaccine at some of the Stop and Shop pharmacies to the West, but no, no word about getting it any further East. Uh, we're not really set up uh, to to be at the front, the, the first delivery of, of that wave of vaccines as they come through. Is that a fair statement, Jamie?
3: Um, well, yeah, I was going to say, actually, Peter Van Skoyak made that same point where, uh, uh, You know, East End pharmacies are not like other pharmacies of the city, like you said. Like I don't know if you've ever been to the CVS on uh, Panico Road in East Hampton, but it's a nightmare even just to pick up a tube of toothpaste. (laughs) You know, like the idea that you're going to organize a mass vaccination at a place like that is is unrealistic. Get out of the parking lot, right? I mean, yeah, no, exactly. and I, so I—that's why I was wondering what Bart's setup was like. Because uh, I mean, even just being able to function and uh, serve enough people at one time must be yeah. really hard for a lot of places out
1: here. Yeah,
0: wasn't they, they
1: ended up? The fire be. department was involved, right? Yeah, they did at the firehouse in West Hampton. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, right. they had the assistance of the fire department. They had, you know, even. Um, I think some local police were down, just kind of helping, making sure traffic was good, and you know, I don't think there were any issues with that. But you know, it was a coordinated effort, you know, with a lot of, a lot of, you know, and you know, just people volunteering a lot. You know, I think they even, you know, paid some some staff to, you know, come down and work there, and you know, so there were expenses on their part, and you know, I don't think they were necessarily thrilled with all the equipment, you know, in terms of needles and that kind of stuff that the state was giving them. So I think they were even using some of their own Mm -hmm. stuff and and paying on their own end just to make it, you know, you know, be more comfortable on their own end, you know, for sure. So, um, yeah. That's that's kind
4: of doubly frustrating for, for people in in East Hampton to even hear those stories about St. Rosalie's church in Hampton bays and Bart's pharmacy in West Hampton beach. And um, you know, the frustration of having to drive to, to, to Stony Brook or even points further west is is great. But then you hear about what, what are, are supposed to be these local efforts and local outreach, and it would still be you know, a difficult ride for somebody in Montauk or or in Eastern East Hampton to try to get to one of those sites. It's going to be really frustrating.
1: Yeah, and similar to the pod in Hampton Bays yesterday uh, in Greenport, we had a pod uh, at Peconic Landing, right. um, you know, which had been hit really hard at the very beginning of the pandemic, and um, had, it was you know a, a few deaths were uh, happened there, unfortunately. And uh, so yesterday they had a, a pod there, I think about 650 doses they gave out to residents there as well as community members. So it was kind of a mix. And uh, so, you know, it was great news for the people there. You know, people are really excited. And, you know, we talked to some people who got the vaccine and, you know, they've been largely kind of hunkered down there and and to be able to kind of there. They were seeing some people for the first time in a long time. So it was you know, kind of exciting. And, uh, you know, so that's a good thing. But then, you know, as the story goes up, you have other people that are still extremely frustrated because they're like, wait, I had no idea that this was happening today. Like, how, who found out about it? How, right. You know,
0: those were all friend- people who they, they basically distributed most of those to people who had registered and gotten appointments through the state website, I believe. Correct. I, I think probably with Peconic Landing, they gave them yeah. to the residents of Peconic Landing as well. But Right. You need to be registered on that state website, no well, question.
4: It, 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 if you're going to have a pop-up, you know, in Greenport with, you know, with a couple hundred doses, you need to be somebody. If that's true, if it's if it's through the state website, you need to be looking at that state website on a on a minute by minute basis, trying to see open appointments and see that pop up. I don't know how that works.
3: Yeah, yeah it seems just- seems like. He- oh, I was just going to say. So I reached out to uh, Stony Brook Southampton because they did the pop-up. Uh, they help coordinate the pop-up at the Conic Landing. And our, we got the notice about it uh, the same day it was happening, like a couple of hours before it was happening. And so I just reached out and said, um, it, do you have more pop-ups planned? And they said, you have to check with the state health department website. But that's like, you know, how is that?
4: That's not really possible. Well, that, was,
3: that was one of Most those people.
1: I,
4: I think that was one of Friend Thiel's comments, too, during, you know, during the sessions event that that these, you know, the vaccinations should be going to the people who need it most, not the not the people who who are most adept at. Um, it's it's been very internet.
0: scattershot. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think when you look at the the, the examples, you know, Barth's doing what they did to be able to get them and you had Southampton Village Mayor Jesse Warren, who was able to work with a local organization to get a handful, a couple of dozen vaccines and distribute them. But that's not really the way this should be done. Brian, you've been watching how this is unfolding and talking to a lot of folks. I imagine I am guessing nobody on the panel here has gotten a vaccine yet. Correct. All right. right. I think we're all All probably, I I believe we're next in line as essential workers if uh, uh, for the most part, but um, we aren't, we aren't ready to, to, we aren't in line yet to get the vaccine. Uh, but Brian, it's, it's worrisome for, for all of us out here, um, looking at how this is rolling out for the most needy, the frontline workers and the healthcare workers and the emergency workers and the elderly people who it's really crucial for. If we can't get vaccines to them in an efficient way, I have no idea how we're going to get vaccines over the next month or two.
2: Yeah. I, you know, the, the, the most, if, you know, like if we had to take a shot every time we heard the word frustrated, you know? <laughs> I mean, we would not have made it five minutes into this. And, and, you know, and when I talk to you guys during the week or read the papers, that's what I see. And, you know, we're in, as you guys well know, next month is going to be a year that we're into this thing. Right. And now it's they keep moving the goalpost. no right. pun intended, with the game on Sunday. But it's always like and now this is the ultimate frustration but we have been so uh, inundated with told to be patient, you know, the lockdown is gonna happen and uh, the climate out here, things have changed so dramatically in the last year, just in general, and that's what happens. You know, I'm not uh, saying it's good, it's bad, it's just the way things are unfolding. Things are different than they were a year ago, and you can expect that because of the pandemic, and there's a lot more people living out here now, frustration is high. But now this is like the ultimate frustration, not only possibly for yourself, but for your parents or for someone in your family who might be really sick. And you've been, you know, anxious the whole time about them. And now all of a sudden, OK, the vaccine might be available. And then all this red tape that you have to go through to possibly get an appointment. The the thing that I'm so fortunate is to be well, it's great to be here with you guys, but to talk to you guys on the weekly basis and you guys get in the weeds about this. And it helps at least when you have information, I think. You may not want to hear it, but it helps to have the information because again, we don't, because of our limited interaction with people, we're not able to talk about our frustrations as much, especially with this. And you guys getting in the weeds about it and, you know, the little bit that each of these local pharmacies are doing, I know you guys, I mean, I think the world of these folks and I think the world of you guys for bringing us this information. When Bill, you know, earlier said only 8% of all of New York have gotten the first shot and only 2%, Bill, right. have gotten the second. I mean, and we're going to we're looking at the year anniversary of this lockdown and then we're going to go into a, a season Um, possibly where, you know, a lot of these businesses and, uh, you know, the the local musicians have been up against the wall and, you know, the smoke's probably not going to clear And I don't even like to, I don't like to, I like to try to stay in the day, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But when you're talking about maybe fall, we're looking at another very interesting season out here. So again, I mean, that's, you know, to take the temperature, that's what I kind of get back when I hear from people via email or, you know, they message my show on Facebook or whatever. Um, I feel the climate and the anticipation and the frustration. Again, there's that word, right? The frustration. And I think, you know, our representatives, that's what they're concerned about. You know, their constituents. I mean,
0: this is, you know, it's, it's kind words. I, 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 I think i can speak for bill and joe and jamie that the frustration there, there it is again take take well, another well, shot <laughs> the, the frustration on our end is we're doing everything we can to get information but finding that at every level there's a lack of information and and people pleading we really don't know jamie it's like you said you talk to the hospitals the hospitals don't know and they defer yeah to yeah. the county or or the next level up, and they don't know most of this information is flowing directly from the governor's office. The governor's office really only has so much information. And so I, I really feel for people like Peter Vanskoyak, who's the the supervisor in East Hampton Town, who's mm-hmm. done everything he can possibly do to get ready for, right. we, we have the infrastructure in place to, to distribute vaccines. We just don't have any vaccines. And we don't know when we're going to get them. Uh, yeah. That's, that's the frustration. So, um, I yeah, oh, go
4: ahead. I was I was gonna just say high, Jamie, I'm sorry.
0: Go I was going to no.
4: go ahead, Brian. I was <laughs> just going to say
2: that, you know, I mean, I got to get myself into a, just a call. If I just want to, you know, thankfully I've got coverage, you know, some insurance coverage with my job, but I got to get myself, I got to take 24 hours. If I'm just going to call a simple, you know, am I covered for a certain part of my physical, I got to get myself in a mindset. To call my insurance company, you know, to, to, <laughs> and that's just the way I am. And I don't think I'm a whole lot different than most people making these just general phone calls to to your your health provider or your doctor or trying to make sure a regular prescription gets through. But, you know, the anxiety of trying to get yourself this vaccine, I, I hear people are talking about booking trips over to Europe so they qualify To get they're doing all kinds of crazy things to
0: move up on the list. To try and jump the line. Yeah. And and the the I think the uh the medical practices will be a part of this, but they're begging people to stop calling and asking because they don't know. That's the you know, this is the (laughs) theme. Nobody really knows. It's been frustrating. I don't want to leave the subject without mentioning that Jamie uh you guys at the Star reported this week that Jerry Larson, the mayor of East Hampton yeah. Village, actually came down with COVID and, and a pretty serious case from the sound of. Uh, Yeah, he
3: was in the hospital for nine days. Uh, he had it for 24. He was sick for 24 days overall. And he said he tried to beat it at first just by quarantining and, uh, you know, just trying to fight it himself. But his doctor was finally like, you have to go. And he said he had five tests and they all came back negative for covid so when he initially went to the hospital (laughs) they would only treat him for pneumonia because he didn't have a positive covid test and then he had to get readmitted and then finally it all worked out and he's doing very well now but he said he had the whole gamut like shortness of breath lack of uh, smell and the taste and it
0: was scary he said it's scary stuff, no question. Yeah. You're so
4: on those, I just want to mention real quickly on, on the same lines I heard from uh, Southampton Town Trustee Scott Horowitz, who is finally now recovering from a very bad case of, of COVID as well. He said it was, um, you know, it was a really touch and go 20 days, but he's, he's feeling better now and our thoughts go out to... Uh, to him we're glad he's it's feeling.
0: it's reaching all of us i think we we, we all know people who, are, who have gone through it now i think and uh mm-hmm. it makes it all the scarier you're listening to behind the headlines uh i'm joe shaw executive editor of the express news group with me is my co-host bill sutton who is managing editor of the express news group our panel today includes joe workmeister the editor of the times review media group up in riverhead in the north fork jamie buffalino who is a staff writer at the east hampton Star and Brian Cosgrove, who is a personality on WLIW-FM and a good friend of all of ours for many, many years. Uh, so let's switch gears, Jamie. Let's talk about Truck Beach. Uh, uh-huh. This this may take a little bit of setup and, and I think probably uh, talk about getting in the weeds. We can get in the weeds really fast here with this story because it's a little complicated, but it's about beach access and it's about a very particular stretch of beach in East Hampton and a court ruling that came down this past week uh, that very much changes what can happen there. Can you try and explain it uh, as briefly uh, yeah, as Yeah, I'll try. All right, so you know, in East Hampton,
3: uh, the trustees, the East Hampton trustees are uh, in charge of the beach. They regulate the beach. And so the homeowners in the dunes, in this part of Amaganda, the dunes, homeowners associations had uh, like, a hundred years ago made a deal with the trustees that they would be in control of 22 acres of beach and the according to the deed, they would have to allow the public access for fishing rights. So over the years, these homeowners, you know, people have used this beach. It's popular for people to drive their trucks onto the beach and hang out there. And you know, it's a very obviously expensive part of it. it's like basically um, oceanfront. So the the homeowners there aren't, weren't thrilled with having. Uh, people with their trucks having like tailgate parties on the beach or whatever. Parked and, on uh, the
0: beach. I think that's parked on people. the people. beach. Yeah. The, the, this is not a beach that that's like a typical municipal access beach with a parking lot. You know, this is this is a stretch of beach in front of private homes, but you're allowed yeah. to drive onto the beach and park. It's the only place I think well no it's that's not true. There are other places in East Hampton where that's allowed. Yeah. It's one of the very few places and it's probably one of the more popular places where people drive and park on the beach in the summer.
3: Yeah, and people are very protective of that right. Um, And so they previously have lost a court case uh, that said it wasn't their private beach. But this panel of judges said that, uh, in fact, they do show the chain of title um, and they showed no reason to uh, believe that people were allowed any other kind of access beyond fishing right so i don't think it's going to end here but right now they
0: homeowners associations have the upper hand so the truck beach will not be open for people to park on the beach this summer as of right now um according to that court ruling at least
3: yeah i mean i i think that's the case unless something else
0: happens uh, now, what's what's right. interesting about this is sort of in the larger, this is a very specific incidence uh, because of the way that piece of, of beachfront has been treated. But Bill, I know we've been writing for years about court cases, about beach access, and we have several points of friction, one of them being Truck Beach. Uh, another is the what's known as the picnic area in Southampton Village. Very similar situation where it's a public beach where you're allowed to park on the beach in the summertime and the homeowners along there are very unhappy with the sight of rows and rows of trucks parked along their beach, uh, in the summertime. Um, the courts have not been very kind to, uh, the municipalities when it comes to beach access lately. Right.
4: Yeah. Kind of, it kind of seems that way. Um, I, I think there's, there's so many levels and layers to this and it, it almost, at times sounds like a, a class issue too, where you've got, you know, you've got wealthier property owners and then you've got, um, you know, more year round people who are, yeah, look, it's, it, it's a tradition. It's been a tradition for, for decades and decades to, to be able to go drive your truck onto the beach with your cooler and your grill and set up and spend the day. And, you know, people who are, are working hard, you know, All all week and and sometimes in service of those same property owners to have, have a day to themselves to enjoy the natural, you know, beauty and environment of, of the area that they've grown up in and, you know, and and live in. Um, And it's really that, that battle and, and that's, and that's the friction. I I don't know what the answer is. It seems like it, you know, it over the years it's it's been more restricting. I think the the areas get smaller and smaller or, or less people are allowed to get you know drive onto the beach, particularly in, in Southampton. Um I, I think there certainly has to be places where where people can can do that and do that safely and you know and 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 all that. In Southampton Village, I mean it goes back to, you know, to the easement and um, you know that the that the town trustees have, have had since the the Dongan Patent back in, in in the 1600s, and you know protecting um, beach access and, and beach rights for for everybody, and,
1: and I think that needs to be respected somehow too. This is this, this is do, where we
0: move we move do, into Dongan do, patent, do, patent
1: language. <laughs> do, do the homeowners get to uh, you know try to? Um, Tain rights to the ocean for a certain number of miles too. I mean, if in case any boats come within uh, three miles of their house, <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that out Well of Jamie line too? Depends on Jamie, the boat, though. Know, if it's a big enough yeah, boat, okay. probably okay. <laughs>
0: you know, what's is- interesting is that that East Hampton town, Jamie, is talking about uh, condemnation yeah. of the beachfront, and they yeah. would have to reimburse the property owners for oh, yes. uh, whatever that's value. But that raises a whole separate question, which is a fascinating. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I know. Exactly. It would be kind of a major move to use like eminent domain basically to take over. But I mean, there is something about the idea of it not being an actual public beach anymore that may be worth fighting for. Um, But I think it's supposed to be an expensive proposition to try and do that. And you can imagine the uh, money you'd be up against and legal bills you'd be facing to take that route. You would
2: hope for us, that, for I would us, think, uh, for us this is a great way to uh, practice social distancing and get outside. <laughs> yeah. you, know? No, you know, drive down. And this is again, we hear it is the word frustration. I mean, this is another little, you know, pin in the towel, it seems like, like you know, some people who work, you can't do much. And now some people now can't go on a certain stretch of beach that so they've been going for years with their truck. It's a great way to stay away from everybody you know, like enjoy the East End, and now they can't do that. So it's another, just another thing that could build up and make everybody like, come
0: on. I mean, everybody's emotions are heightened right now, and and exactly. doesn't help. And you're yeah, right, they they, the use of that beach by locals predates the houses uh, no question about that. And, and that's part of the fight. I was going to say geeks like us. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but um, mm-hmm. I, I'm sort of intrigued by the argument over. So if the town condemns that beach, they have to reimburse the property owners for its value. Well, what's the value of, of an oceanfront beach? And, and that seems like a pretty simple question. Well, it's a really expensive piece of property. Well, is it really, though? Because you can't do anything with it. It's You can't build on it. Um, and oh. if you have if you have a house that is right in front of a, an ocean beach and it's worth $6 million and now the town is going to buy that ocean beach and, and take it away from you, I think your house is still worth $6 million because it's still mm-hmm. in front of that beach. And it's, is, you know, is, it, it's, is it, it's... Is it, though? I
4: mean, if you think about, it, you know... Just to play devil's advocate, you have a $6 million house, but you you go to sell it, um, and and the buyers coming in are, are noticing that there's 300 trucks on that beach in front of that house, does your property still retain the same value it has when, when, when you bought it? And I think they could certainly make that argument. Joe, That's they don't have similar you... beaches in Riverhead, right? I mean, you can get a permit to go fish on on certain, drive, drive onto certain beaches to
1: fish, but there's no real... Uh, congregation yeah, I mean, point we, uh, where, we where haven't really it. had. Yeah, I can't really recall similar sort of fights uh, for, over beach access, quite exactly like what you're describing here. Um, and it's more big. You, just than you have the trustee
0: in, situation up there, though, too. You have in South trustees, Old
1: Town. And, right. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And they, and I believe they feel the same way that that a lot of their rights and, and powers are. Uh, you know, under, I think the trustees in general, you, you have to remember, they are the, the the boards of trustees in these towns are the oldest continuing bodies of government um, in New York state. I mean, really, they're, they're some of the first era, right? Towns. Yeah, they, they, they were set up in the in the what, 1600s. Yeah. So um, but they're, you know, they're fighting for relevance and they're fighting the courts a lot of times to, to try and keep those powers. It's going to be something to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah. Okay. So you're listening to Behind the Headlines. Uh, I'm Joe Shaw. Uh, I'm executive editor of the Express News Group. My co- co-host is Bill Sutton, our managing editor of the Express News Group. Joe, uh, that, that was who, Bill? I'm sorry. We just heard. We just heard from another party there. That, well, that was Cole. He likes to that be on Cole. radio sometimes. Okay. Too. That The Cole Cole has has been a regular uh, on the show, <laughs> uh, thanks to uh, the way we do these shows these days. Joe Workmeister from the Times Review Media Group, Jamie Buffalino from the East Hampton Star, and Brian Cosgrove from WLIWFM are with me. Uh, so uh, let's talk about water. Um, Joe, you have been working on a story up your way that's about. Uh, an issue that I think, again, comes up in all of our communities from time to mm-hmm. time. Uh, but you have a very specific issue going on up there now in Manorville and Calverton about uh, concerns about water contamination. Can you give us sort of a rundown about what that story is about?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this dates back to, you know, we remember back when Grumman was operating there, building fighter planes. Um, from all that effort with the Navy, um, you know, different contaminants you know leaked into the ground. Um, specifically the PFAS is one that's come up now um, something that's been was used in firefighting foams uh, specifically and um, so residents in Manorville and Calverton area have had contaminants um, uh, detected in their private wells and so the issue right now is you have all these homes here in the Manorville and Calverton area that are connected uh, that have private wells not connected to the public water and so what they've been asking for for a long time now is to be connected to public water and have um, safer water to drink, which sounds pretty simple. And so the issue is, you know, figuring out how to get it done. And basically now you have kind of two entities kind of vying each other to try to get, um, sort of the rights to do it with the Suffolk County water authority. And then Riverhead town has its um, own water district. And the two are kind of clashing a little bit right now. And all at the same time, both are trying to figure out how to fund any effort, uh, to get can to get these homes connected and they're trying to do that uh through through the uh, federal government and have the navy reimburse them and so that's trying to just trying to get that as is an issue in itself but um so recently what happened was the Suffolk County Water Authority actually sent a letter to um the secretary of the navy and said you know we're ready we're ready to go we can connect these homes um we just need the funding, you know, give us the money and we'll get going and we'll get it done. We can do it for cheaper than Riverhead Water District can do it. And so that set up, you know, kind of a blowback from the uh, town government in Riverhead, who's saying you know, they kind of feel like the water authority coming in and trying to take over um, their water district. And where it complicates things is you have th- this kind of divider. Um, in the area where a, a section of the homes in Manorville or in Brookhaven town and a section are in Riverhead town. So you have two different you know, municipalities. And so that kind of complicates things and the Suffolk County Water Authority saying, it's basically our, our area, we, you know, we should be able to do it. Let's, you know, we should just do all, everything ourselves. We can do it for cheaper and um so recently uh uh, congressman zeldin met with some uh, local officials and they had a press conference you know just again trying to urge the navy to um you know do some you know to get this funding which i think is somewhere around 12 million dollars to do everything uh, based on the water suffolk county water authorities estimates and one of the interesting things that the congressman actually said was well the Navy has so many different spots across the country that were, that have similar contaminants that they can't, they kind of can't do everything at once. So they can't afford to just do everything. So only, you know, they can't get to everything, which is kind of interesting. It's like, well, we screwed up across so many places that now, you know, we can't fix it all at once. So, um, kind of hands are tied. And at the same time, the Navy is kind of saying, well, we don't, we don't even know for sure that these contaminants are our fault, you know, it could be something else. And they don't even want to take blame for it. So it's a really kind of complicated mess. And, uh, at the, and at the end of it, you have these people in Matterville and Calverton who just, you know, aren't trusting of the water they're drinking and have to be extra careful and just want to get public access to public water. And, um, which, you know, you wouldn't think would be that, that difficult to do, but it's it obviously is, that should be an easy thing. Right.
0: That has echoes. Um, we we've got a lot of, these issues come up all the time throughout the East end. Um, I know in Hampton Bays, there's a there's a debate going on about the Suffolk County Water Authority taking over uh, the Hampton Bays Water District, which is which is run by South Hampton Town. Very similar kind of conversation taking place about, you know, the the economy of scale that that Suffolk County Water Authority can offer. But a lot of people locally are hesitant to 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 to. Allow a larger entity to come in and take over their smaller entity. They have a little more control over. Um, I think that's been part of the, the question too. And and Jamie, there's a lot of places in both East Hampton and Southampton that are still without public water and 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 getting public water. I know that that uh, Wayne Scott was one of the places uh, that right. got public water in an emergency basis um, because of contamination. Um, yeah, but it's all, it's always it's always a stressful thing, isn't it?
3: Yeah, that was also because of uh, PFOS and its proximity to East Hampton Airport. Um, so yeah, no, it's definitely an issue out here. Um, and uh, getting public water is not as easy in some places are even possible still. So I live in the Springs, which, uh, you know, uh, it's very hit or miss in terms of whether you can, or how much it'll cost to extend the, the line to your house. So it's very, I mean, protecting water quality is a major issue
0: across the board out here. And that's definitely one
3: segment of it.
0: It's economics and it's health. And it's uh, because, uh, you know, people who are using, uh, I. I th- I would, well, I, you know, I hesitate to say the majority, but I think it's the majority of people are still on well water on the east end. And that can be a risky proposition in some areas because not only with with industrial contaminants, but a lot of people live near agricultural properties and, and a lot of use of uh, pesticides and, and fertilizers over the years. Uh, it, it does take a toll on the water supply. There, there's a real health aspect to this. And I think that we hear it all the time too. I think a lot of people worry that, that the contaminated water may contribute to health risks uh, for, for just living on the East End. Um, so this public water question is an important one for a lot of people.
4: So Joe, is it, is it a matter? I mean, I'm, I'm interested in the dispute between the, the Riverhead Water District and, and Suffolk County I, I mean, where I mean, the Riverhead Water District has has certain lines, right? I mean, it's almost like a municipal, you know, municipality. Is it is that area the Manorville Calvert? Is it bisected, you know, half on, on one side and half on the other? Is that how that's working out?
1: Yeah, so I think you know, basically, kind of half would you know fall in, in that Brookhaven Town line w- would kind of be um, for the Suffolk County Water Authority, and that um, other other half in, in Riverhead Town. You know would i guess technically really be the riverhead water districts and i think part of what the town is maybe saying is you know maybe we can kind of split it where you know, we'll do the riverhead town side um suffolk county water authority you do the other side in brookhaven town but it sense. doesn't seem like the suffolk county water authority is too agreeable to that and they just kind of want to do the whole thing themselves and huh. not bother sort of splitting it up like that um you know which one makes more sense um yeah, I don't know. We had said in an editorial a couple of weeks ago, you know, maybe it makes more sense for, you know, the sides to kind of work together and, you know, Rivertown maybe do one's, you know, their portion and the Suffolk County Water Authority do the other, you know, does the economics of that. And, you know, ultimately it makes sense in the end. Yeah, I'm not 100 sure. People the water faster, right? Right, and that's what they're kind of saying. You know, the residents say, you know, we don't care who gives us the water. We just want the water. Yeah. So, let me throw, and let me part throw, part of part of the issue, I think, for Riverhead Town, the, where the concern is, you have um, redevelopment of FCal, which is kind of this ongoing thing for, for forever since uh, the town got that land from from the, the Navy when Grumman left, and I think there's concern there that if the uh, water district comes in from Suffolk County, they can kind of take over that EPCAL Uh and and go into there too. And there's concerns about, you know, is that going to sort of take over some of their redevelopment efforts? And um, so I think out of the town board meeting um, a couple of days ago, they were trying to talk about, you know, let's look at these as separate things and, and not just kind of lump in our, the EPCAL concerns. And let's just try to focus on, you know, getting water to these homes and not worry so much about what, um, you know what it would mean for epcal that's fascinating let
0: me, let me throw a statement out and i'll i want to i want to hear your reactions to whether or not this is proposed the day of smaller water districts has passed and the economies of scale and the efficiencies offered by the suffolk county water authority means it makes much more sense to allow the larger entity to take responsibility for bringing public water into these areas that don't have them and also taking over the smaller water districts that, that manage um, bits and pieces of the East End. What do, what do no. you think of that? False. <laughs> okay. Tell, tell I, me, well, tell
4: I, me I think I think I mean if if you're going to compare the Hampton Bays Water District to the Riverhead Water District, that's not a fair comparison. I mean, I, I'm a Riverhead resident and a customer of the Riverhead Water District, but I, I think it's a much bigger entity. Um, I mean there's sewage sewage treatment plant ties into that somehow and, and you, but
0: not got, nearly as big he, as Suffolk County Water Authority.
4: It, it's not, but it it certainly serves I, I think serves Riverhead well. and if you're a Hampton Bays resident, there are a lot of people in Hampton Bays that take pride um, in in that smaller district that they know is is locally run by their friends and neighbors um, and and they feel confident in you know, uh, until the day the the water turns brown from from the yeah, iron deposits and, and all that, they feel really confident in, in <laughs> the fact that that they're running that themselves, that they're taking charge and taking control of that. And and I think
0: pride they, doesn't doesn't bring down the cost of chlorine. I, I the, the, you know you buy chlorine in bulk, and I feel like that yeah. that ultimately but joe I, I i feel like that's the heart of this and i i fully acknowledge i think there's arguments to be made on both sides of this i'm just i'm yeah. just being provocative but uh <laughs> but it's a, it's a really interesting debate
1: yeah i mean in riverhead they're definitely you know the officials are definitely very uh you know defensive of their water district and they don't want to lose their their water district right. Right, for sure you know every, i think everyone's in agreement on that and and you know we've seen that in all the local you know local um, entities you know whether it's you know they're the local police departments you know everyone is you know kind of wants that their local agencies and so yeah i don't you know the economics of does it make more sense to just have this you know one larger water district come in and kind of serve the entire east end compared to what it is for um you know individual smaller water districts you know i'm not really sure how the numbers all work out on that you know if it's just more if it ends up being cheaper for residents to have uh, a local water district. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure how all those numbers worked out. Um, so yeah, it's that's a, a tough that's a tough one. Joe's, you, a Joe,
0: Joe, Bill's, Bill, Bill's absolutely right. By the way, Hampton Base feels the same way. They they feel very uh, possessive of the of the right. district. Sorry, Brian, go ahead. Oh
2: no, no, I was just going to say that. Um, I think it's a great question, Joe, that you raised. But I think that it would be better to have the local watchdogs of the towns. Looking at the quality of our water, mm-hmm. um, I know that I'm. I live in the in the township of Riverhead. A couple months ago, I was told I'm going to have an annual payment of eighty or ninety dollars because now they're doing a filtration system. And Bill might have had the same. I I recently just got this bill. It's going to happen every year now. It's going to be about eighty or ninety, maybe a hundred dollars. On top of you know, I would just open my water bill every three months, and it'd be like ten or twelve bucks. And it would be nothing, you know, but I have no problem with that. And uh, back in the summer around July, they came and put a new water meter on the side of my house, you know. So things are definitely changing as that's what th- we're talking about with water in general. But uh, I think we're gonna be better off if we have, uh, like I think pretty much everybody in the panel has alluded to uh, that we have local folks looking at our water because they live here too.
4: True true or true or not with a, with the bigger with the bigger entity you feel like you're just you dealing with a bureaucracy and the bigger right. the bureaucracy you feel more lost sometimes yeah. maybe. I think you know we talked to Joe mentioned you know the same thing with local police departments and you know um local village governments with the different villages and stuff. I mean you just want to feel like you have local control, local government, local municipality stuff.
1: Right, and Jay- and somebody. Somebody has a question. They know who the, you know who the head of the water district is. They can get that. They can get them on the phone if they want. You know, and or show up. If you're, if you're if you're trying to call the South County Water Authority, you know how many layers of you know people do you have to get through to maybe get a you know a person who knows anything about what you're trying to ask. You know, yeah. There's going to be money to
0: to be spent uh, on the South Fork on water projects too, since the uh, Community Preservation Fund. Uh, is generating. Jamie, there's going to be money set aside in both towns for uh, water quality projects, but I think they've expanded that to include putting people on public water who might be uh, at risk of having contaminated wells. Uh, Yeah, no,
3: I think it's a 20% of you're allowed to use 20% of the CPS funds for Mm -hmm. water quality projects. Um, And it can uh, run the gamut in terms of uh, what you can use it for, as long as water quality is improved. I know that uh, East Hampton Village is going to try and get some CPF money to create a water treatment system uh, and a sewer system. Because, you know, they're in a the watershed that like, you know, the, the ponds have been notorious for being uh, in bad shape and with algae blooms and stuff like that.
4: So, um, yeah, I mean, West, it's West Hampton, a- Beach, West Hampton Beach Village was successful with that. They got millions of dollars for their their sewer project, which is currently underway. And I think East Hampton is probably looking at that as a model. It's a great thing. The one thing
3: that I think the mayor told me was that they don't like it. The CPF doesn't like it when the project increases density, which. So the idea for the village is to allow them to have more restaurants and wet uses, you know. So but at the same time, it is protecting water quality. So they're going to try and make a case that the main focus is water quality and not increasing density.
0: Right hit the heart of so many issues that we talk about out here so so uh this is behind the headlines we have a couple of minutes left so we like to talk about next week's headlines uh which is stories we're looking at or working on for next week um jamie uh buffalino from the east hampton star what 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 are you working on for next week well, you know,
3: uh, one of my main beats is East Hampton Village, which is probably why I've talked about it a lot today. <laughs> but they, I mean, it has been fascinating because it has a new mayor, Mayor Jerry Larson, and he's really trying to get a lot of stuff done. And um, so it's, there have been a lot of conversations developing about... You know, introducing paid parking, the how to get the sewer treatment plant done, um, bringing music back. He's very focused on trying to revitalize uh, the village because it's had this reputation in years past uh, about of being too sleepy and kind of dying. Um, and so that that has been like almost on a weekly basis, there's been something new to report on. And there's some new developments in that this week uh, about creating new outdoor venues, uh, using Herrick Park in East Hampton Village as a venue for outdoor movies and uh, plays and bringing, allowing music, restaurants to have uh, live music which has been banned for a long time and stuff
0: like that so i'm gonna mayor, mayor larson's had a very dynamic agenda no question he ran on it and, yeah. and he's been doing it very quickly joe how about up your way very briefly what are you working on for next week
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of stuff uh, coming up for sure. Um, You know, one thing I'm kind of uh, excited about, hopefully it will come together for next week, um, working on a a Black History Month feature, uh, trying to do some of these, obviously, this month uh, in in February and working on one now about kind of a riverhead icon from uh, back in the 70s, a man who was the first uh, uh, elected um, official out here, Uh, a tax assessor, and I believe one of the first um, uh, elected um, Black um, officials on the East end and got uh, kind, of, kind of a fascinating story there. And his uh, son, one son is a very su- uh, successful doctor now living down South and uh, spoke to him yesterday and kind of a, uh, a pretty fascinating family from, um, from Riverhead and accomplished a lot of great things. And um, so I'm you know, kind of excited to just shine a little spotlight of history uh, on them next week. Hey, Brian uh,
0: Cosgrove from WLIW. What, uh, what are you looking for in the headlines here in the next week or so, what stories are you keeping an eye on?
2: Well, I, this is a much bigger global thing. But next week on my show, Monday the seventh is the anniversary of the Beatles arriving at JFK, uh-huh. and, and then uh-huh. Wednesday, Wednesday the ninth is the Ed Sullivan anniversary. So, Beatles,
0: it'll be <laughs> it'll be. The focus will be on Beals. That won't be popular at all, Brian. <laughs> There'll be no audience for that.
2: Exactly. None. But of course, I look forward to talking to you guys as well, which is always a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. And Bill, we've got a couple of things in the works. One of the things uh, is well, we're, we're looking at, at uh, people who are traveling to get vaccines, for one thing.
4: Yeah, it's interesting, and we've we've talked to some people that have gone up to Connecticut. We've talked to some people locally who uh, traveled up to to the Bronx. Um, it seems that, that people are willing to go as far as 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 they need to um, to to get a vaccine. I think that's interesting. I think we're also keeping an eye tomorrow is the uh, is the public hearing on the village incorporation effort in Wingscock. and I'm curious to see how how that all.
0: And that's going to focus mostly just on the nuts and bolts of the application, but it'll start the conversation uh, that is a very important one. So that will wrap up uh, behind the headlines for this week. Uh, great conversation, guys. Uh, I want to thank my guests, Brian Cosgrove from WLIWFM, uh, Jamie Buffalino from the East Hampton Star, Joe Werkmeister from the Times Review Media Group, and my co-host, Bill Sutton, uh, as always, and Cole. Uh, thank you to Cole for, for making a cameo. Uh, we look forward to him coming back again next week. You can uh, talk to his you. agent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll work something out with him. Uh, thank, thank you guys uh, for being here. And, uh, Great thank show,
4: you for, guys. We, thank you. Thank
0: Thanks thank for having for me. Absolutely. For, thank you. For, Thanks for listening. And we'll, uh, we'll be back next week with Behind the Headlines. I'm Joe Shaw. Thanks.